welcome back to Noah's Window. Again, we're pulling scriptures from the one-year Bible that Mark and I read together. And the one that I just, the one that just stood out to me today is we're reading through the book of John. In John chapter 19, if you've been reading along, you know what's going on here. This is Jesus before Pilate. And um, you know, you know what, how it is when we read through the scripture over and over and over, but sometimes you read it and you see something maybe you didn't notice or at our age, I noticed and forgot already. Right. But um, one of the things that just really stood out to me um, with Pilate, because Pilate was being pushed by the mob all along, mm -hmm. but it kept ratcheting up. And I think he kept getting clarity of what they were trying to do. And that he also had some sense of the power he, he held. Um, and, and I guess what stood out to me in John chapter 19, and I'll, I'll, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I hope you'll go grab your Bible and read this whole chapter. But leading up to this, when, when Jesus was brought to Pilate, immediately he was trying to determine what the charge was against mm -hmm. Jesus, and he couldn't find anything. And there was a back and forth, and, and uh, he tried to convince the people to take Barabbas, but no, they didn't want Barabbas. And um, there, were, there were like three times where Pilate's talking to Jesus, but the, this last time, he had actually already had Jesus scourged and he, he came he brought him out with the crown of thorns he'd already been scourged and he said here's here's your king and the people uh rose up and said he's not our king and and they said the reason we want him killed is because he's claimed to be the son of god now Pilate was already nervous yeah there are, and there's other pieces of the story that we get in other places of the scripture but he already was nervous about who jesus was but and i'm going to jump in here in verse um verse eight um Oh, well, let me back up to verse 7. Because it said, The Jewish leaders replied, By our law he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. And he, and he took Jesus back into headquarters again and asked him. Now, remember, he's brought him out again. He was ready to release him. But when he heard this, that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, he was even more frightened. He had a sense, I believe, it appears to me that Pilate believed that's who Jesus was. Yeah, well, I mean... Pilate's one of the most intriguing characters in the Bible to me. I don't know that he was an extremely moral man, but he had respect for the law. Uh, Pilate had been a very successful soldier uh, in what we call the Praetorian Guard, or what history calls the Praetorian Guard, uh, and he had just sort of risen through the ranks of the military, and then he got his appointment uh, to Judea as governor. So he's a military man, he's, a, he's accustomed to commands, he's accustomed to law and order. And so when this man Jesus is brought before him, he may not know who Jesus is at the first, but he does recognize him as an innocent man and Pilate is not interested in condemning an innocent mm -hmm. man. But as you point out, the mob is pushing him and I think he's caught in between the mob's pressure and then clearly the person of Jesus who is an innocent man and like I say, does intrigue him. And at the end, they, they pose a threat to Pilate. Now, up to that point, really, it was Jesus they were threatening. Mm -hmm. But at this point, they say, um, uh, if, if you don't, you know, we don't have any king but Caesar. Yeah. So at that point, it, it put Pilate in jeopardy. So uh, you have yeah. the pressure of the mob mounting. Okay. Well, I'm going to go off into about three minutes or two minutes of a history lesson here because there's a really important thing here. So if you never understood this little thing that happens with Pilate here, as I said a moment ago, Pilate had risen through the ranks of the Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard was commanded by a man by the name of Sejanus, who was almost considered family of the emperor. Uh, he was the most beloved person, really, in the kingdom of Caesar. But somewhere along the line, Sejanus had been found to be a traitor. And Sejanus had been executed, and all his family had been executed. Pilate 
you know, he had been championed by Sejanus, but fortunately for him, he's a long way away in Judea. He does not want his name to come up in Rome. So when the Jews say to Pilate, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. And it was at this moment, moment the, mob, the mob surged and Pilate allowed, he allowed them to push him over what may have been the eternal brink. So the reason this one really stood out to me is in this culture we're living in today, we are seeing the mob intimidate and push and in many cases rule. Yeah, well, I mean, people will do things in a mob that they wouldn't do individually. They'll do things immorally that they wouldn't do. I mean, we see stories of, of just turmoil in inner cities or turmoil in places where people are just surging uh, in some kind of protest or something. And the next thing you know, there'll be people that will take that as an opportunity to steal things, break, break windows and, and, and you know, damage, damage cars and things. Would they do that if they were by themselves? Probably not. It's just the, it's just the nature of the mob. And, and it seems to me like an earmark of a mob is something that they are shouting. And once one person starts shouting and then two people start shouting and then all the people are shouting, there is a power in that yeah. that's very intimidating. Well, and we see that. I mean, it, another example would be the lynchings of the past mm -hmm. where, where people uh, performed a lynching. and and just executed someone who m many times was innocent. Uh, would they have done it individually? I don't know. No. But put them in a group, and it's mm -hmm. just sort of like, we all have a sin nature, but the mob kind of has a collective sin nature. And, and certainly we see Satan in it, because that's yeah. not how God works. Well, God and you know, I, I've, I've used some extreme illustrations, like a lynching or you know, a riot inside a city, but I think we see the mob just on social media mm -hmm. sometimes where there's a piling on and, and people say harsh and, and, and mean things. And a lot of times it's an opinion, opinions that become uh, a fact just because there's so many people shouting it. And yeah, they, you know, when you had this verse, Meryl, it was just really uh, quick in my head to go to Exodus 23, verse 2. You know, there, in Exodus you have the commands, you have the thou shalt and thou shalt not. Listen to this one. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. And then it said, uh, the second part of that, when you testify in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Mm. So as Christ followers, we're never given permission to sail with the mob. Mm. You know, our, our job is to do the right thing. And, and oftentimes you'll be in the minority if you're doing the right thing. I love how you always say that. The Lord doesn't give us permission just because there's the momentum and the push and the intimidation of the mob. We don't have permission to cave to the mob and join in with them. And I hope God will give us courage to stand. Pilate caved. Mm -hmm. He caved to the mob. At his moment of destiny, he caved to the mob. And I just pray that we won't cave to the mob. I do too, culture. because I really think we're going to be more in the minority now than we've ever been before. Mm -hmm. Because we just, we're in an age right now, I talked about this this last week, and I've talked about it for several weekends now where not only is the world at large heading in the wrong direction, but in so many, unfortunately, unfortunately in so many areas, the church at large is heading in the wrong direction. And it's gonna be a challenge, but also a wonderful opportunity for we as God's people to, to stand for the truth. You know, I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, other than Nebuchadnezzar, you know anybody else's name mm -mm. there? I mean, no. you know. <laughs> All that crowd that was bowing down, they're nameless. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are legends. And that reminds me, because we've had this come up and be, you know, brought to us several times in the last year or two, whatever. Um, people have said to us, 
uh, so many people, respected people, are saying, fill in the blank, I'm beginning to question, maybe I, maybe I don't understand the scripture, maybe I was wrong, or maybe, you know, just because there's a multitude of people saying something doesn't make it true. No. Always go back to the plumb line of God's word. That's where truth is. Sure. I mean, just talking about respected people, I mean, I happen to be a pastor. I, I live in a world of pastors. We're all wrong about something, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And um, in fact, one of the most dangerous things that I've ever heard someone say is I know this is true because Pastor Mark said it. Yes. And and it's like no, if Pastor Mark was standing on the Word of God, then it's correct. Right. But only because I'm standing on the Word of God, uh, and it's just so critical for us in these last days to know what the Word of God says. Kind of like what we talked about yesterday, mm -hmm. and to make our determination that if I have to stand against all hell, I'm going to sure. do that. I'm going to stand for the right thing. And you know. <laughs> That's how, I, I mean, I know none of us is really wanting to be a hero per se, but that's how heroes are made. You know, I think I did a, a talk for pastors, I think this was on the West Coast the other day, and I said, uh, heroes don't make battles, battles make heroes. Right. And we've been chosen to be here in this day yeah. and this time for this hour to stand strong. Yeah. And I pray that we'll all do that. I do that too. Don't cave to the mob. Don't cave to the mob. Whether we're talking about just some kind of piling on on social media where we know what's being said isn't right, or you know, in any area of our lives, let's just go stand with the Lord. And, and one more thing, I like go, but that, and I'm not chuckling because it's funny, but that last quote: "If you do this, you're not Caesar's friend." How many of us have heard this accusation? If you think this, or if you say this, or if you do this, then fill in the blank. They want to label us yeah. if we stand for the truth. And let's don't let that intimidate us. Let's still stand for the truth. For yeah, God's I mean, word. you think about this. I see, now you got me going again. Because <laughs> these Judean governors and these officials, they wore a ring on their finger. Mm -hmm. And the ring basically was the inscription of Caesar, Caesar's friend. That's mm -hmm. what was on that. Mm -hmm. Well, he had a choice between the ring on his hand or the mm. Son of God standing right in front of him. You know, that's the time to throw the ring away mm -hmm. and just stand with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, before we close today, Mark, would you leave us in prayer? Our Father in God, these are terrible days that we live in in so many ways, and yet they're days of extraordinary opportunity. And the Word of God, your Word says that your eyes go back and forth searching for people who will fully commit themselves to you. Lord, help us to be those people, regardless of what the crowd says, whatever the mob says, whatever even other Christians say. Lord, help us to stand with you, because we know we're safe as long as we're standing with the King. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that will inspire you and encourage you today, whatever it is that you're facing. And we'll look forward to seeing you here on Nose Window again tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.